Hello and welcome to the Non-Tech Founders Podcast, fortnightly conversations about running a business as a non-technical founder. I'm Laura. And I'm Nathan. Join us as we navigate the developer-dominated world of entrepreneurship, bootstrapping and beyond. So today's episode is the first in our Ask an Expert series. Now this is a bit experimental, but the idea is that for some episodes, we're going to bring in experts on certain topics to essentially co-host the podcast with us. So it's a little bit different from the standard interviews in that it won't be like a general Q&A, but it just gives us the opportunity to go a little bit more in depth on topics that maybe you and I, Nathan, don't know so much about. So with that in mind, I'd like to welcome Brennan Dunn to this week's episode on email marketing. Hello, hello. Hi. So Brennan is first and foremost, he's my husband. Um, but his other big achievement is also being the go-to guy for all things email marketing, automation, and personalization. So he's got a, quite a lot going on, um, and I hope I get this right, but he runs Create and Sell, which is his very popular weekly email marketing newsletter for creators and founders. Um, he recently released Palladio, which is a software product that allows non-technical founders to design beautiful emails and then import them directly into ConvertKit. And he also co-owns WriteMessage, which is a SaaS product that lets you segment and survey your email list. So he's pretty big in the world of email marketing, and that's why we wanted to get him specifically on today. But did I miss anything? Is there anything? <laughs> um, I've got a book coming out in October, a published <laughs> book. So that's done now. So it's not really a day job as much. And in a past life, I used to do a lot with freelancing. I'm still doing that, just to have somebody working on it with us. So yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's So it. that's double your freelancing, which is a, it's like courses and um, training for freelancers who want to master the business side of freelancing. Yeah. You do, so... have, you do have a lot going on, Bruno. I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a bit overwhelming at times, but we're trying to, to a big theme this year, I think for Laura and I are going to be focused and potentially then going all in and more things and getting rid of some other stuff. So we'll see. I should say before we start that I feel probably two things. One, I feel a little bit outnumbered by the, uh, the, the Dunn Elizabeth household or, or Elizabeth Dunn <laughs> household. And, and secondly, I think this, this podcast episode might be slightly embarrassing for me because my automation skills, knowledge, practical, you know, it's just zero. So maybe it's not embarrassing, but it's, it's probably really good that you're on the show today because cool. my game is zero. Really zero. Yeah. I mean, it can only get better. Yes. Well, that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> so, um, I want I thought I'd start the episode by I, it's not I know it's not a techni technically an interview, but I did want to ask Brennan a question just to start. So, yeah. I I basically want to know why is email marketing? Why did that become your main focus as a founder? And do you find it more effective than other channels like social media, paid ads? And partnerships. Okay, so my background in all this stuff starts really in 2011. So that was when I first released my first software product um, called PlanScope. And also right around then is when I released my first ebook then, but now of course called W Freelancing Rate. And as a solo founder who doesn't want to do sales calls and doesn't want to really need to talk to people, email is pretty great in that. I can set up things that are kind of one and done. People can kind of find my stuff through the usual, at the time, the usual channels like SEO, find my articles, opt into my list. I do kind of the persuasive -y, nurturing, salesy stuff to prepare somebody to be a customer. And then I pitch them on being a customer entirely over email so that I can just focus on like writing code because I'm a 
technical guys we'll get into probably uh, writing code for you know at that time plan scope or uh, creating new content, top of funnel content. Because I didn't want to be, my background before all that was running an agency, which yeah, you could, there was room for email marketing for us, but most of my sales had to do with like getting somebody in a, in a room and talking with them a lot. And I really wanted to make use of this interesting technology that could send lifecycle-based communication that was personalized and tailored even if it was just like, hey, Laura, or hey, Nathan at the top. For me, email was that that mechanism. Back then, no one was using Twitter for business purposes. So I guess LinkedIn was around, but I didn't really use it. So email was pretty much the sales channel of choice, but I still like email because with social, you don't really own your audience, whereas with an email list, you do. And um, with social, there's no way to do personalized or segmented messaging or anything like so email's still kind of king with all that stuff i think yeah i think that's what what appeals to me about email as well is the whole like you said earlier the whole not having to get on and do high touch sales calls and all that kind of stuff yeah. you can sort of set up these things that just run anytime someone joins your list or anytime someone purchases a product or a service or whatever and it sort of does a lot of the heavy lifting for you so you can focus especially if you're solo on the things that you really want to do. So I, I imagine, obviously, you know, you said you started, was it back in 2011? And I, obviously the landscape was a little different back then to how it is now with the, the, the choices available and systems and stuff. So for someone probably more like myself or someone who's starting more, you know, around this time, where do you even begin with email marketing and sorry, email automation systems? For example, like Laura, what, what do you have? What do you have going on within your businesses? I have a, I use ConvertKit and I'll just talk about client board because it's easier to focus on one. And I kind of do the same thing for all my other products as well. Sure. I have, there's two like main things that I have, by the way, all this is like learned from Brennan. So I can't really take credit for any of it. Uh, but the first one is I have a sequence when someone joins my list to um, onboard them about what I can teach them. So historically, this has come from me doing, say, a podcast interview or something and maybe I'm talking about freelancing or client experience. And then I'll point them at the end to, hey, if you want to find out more, I've got a client experience course here, free course um, that you can sign up to. And then so they go through the lessons and then I sort of try to give away like a lot of value and all the stuff that Brennan teaches. And eventually I'll pitch them on my product client portal. So it sort of like warms them up if they don't know what client portal is or whether they whether it's for them. And then I also have a separate automation for people who do know what client portal is and are more primed to buy. So these are the people who come from Google searches. They're searching for client portal WordPress. I used to have this email course for them, but they didn't want that because they already know they want client portal. So I have a separate one that talks more specifically about client portal. They already know what it is, but they want to know how it can work for them. And then the third thing I have is a purchase automation. So if they buy client portal, helping them get onboarded and set up and things like ask for feedback and stuff like that. But there's so many other things that I need to do and want to do like upsells, getting people who've maybe canceled to like consider coming back and all this stuff that I don't leverage because what I really love about email automation is that once you've done it once, it just keeps running over and over again. And you always think to yourself, it's kind of like investing. You're like, why didn't I do this sooner? Like if I did this sooner, I've lost out on so much because I was spending time doing whatever. And if I just put this system in place, it would be working for me. 
for the last like however many months or years. So that's what I've got in place. I'm I'm kind of assuming Brennan's is fairly similar because like I said, I have taken that directly from his teaching, but do you have anything? Yeah, else? I mean, it's like the big, the big original eye-opener for me was, I mentioned PlanScope, which was my first software product. And again, this was a decade ago, so PlanScope was a big bit different. Um, not everyone was doing the whole like creator. I mean, there are more people, I guess, doing SaaSes. Few were doing the whole like creator thing outside of um, internet marketers, which I was always a bit off by. But anyway, one thing that I did, which I'm glad I did, was I built this project management tool called PlanScope. And then I realized quickly how hard it was to get anyone to realize it existed. So I was looking around and talking to mentors and so on about like, and I had an interview about, or a discussion about mentorship the other day, which, or the, the other podcast, I should say, which is really good, by the way. The, I was talking to people that I looked up to and they were like, yeah, well, what you need to do is you need to build, like write content about things that align with your ideal customer. So project management tool for freelancers and agencies, for me, that meant writing articles about like pricing and proposals and all the stuff that is kind of in the same domain, if you will, of project management. So I did that. But the mistake that I made was initially I was thinking, okay, I'm on the PlanScope blog. I'm writing an article. I published it. The call to action, the thing at the end, the pop-up, you could push people into a trial, but no one was doing it. And it took a while for me to kind of conceptualize why that was. And the thing that I figured out was... People were going to Google with a problem. I want to write a proposal better than I am now because I'm losing out. So they go and type in like proposal writing web designer or something like that. They might find an article of mine, they read it, and then here they're getting a pitch effectively at the end of it for a project management tool that has zero to do with proposal stuff. So what I did back then was I said, well, okay, so if somebody's reading content, what should I give them? Maybe I should give them more and better content. So that's when I put together a five-day email course uh, called Five Days to Better Freelancing. And the idea was get people in on a very low friction thing. You know, there's no trial, there's no username, there's no password, no credit card upfront thing, just an email address. Get them on, show them my thinking around freelancing and working with clients and so on. And then say, if what I've been saying over the last few days really jives with what you like, really aligns with like what you're looking for, I have this great tool that will help you run your client projects better. And that worked really well. And it made sense why it worked well, because again, like person looking for info doesn't want to be pitched on software. That was kind of the big eye opener for me. And from there, I've gone further down the rabbit hole with like, okay, so if my job is to effectively create customers, to take somebody from where they are today, get them in the door through like a free bit of content, and then hopefully transform them in, into being receptive to what I have to offer. Well, maybe I need to start thinking is one size fits all the best. Maybe people can go down different pathways depending on where they are in their business or depending on what kind of work they do. If they work, if they're a designer, maybe they want to see a case study for of a designer that I helped or something. I think that I think this is probably where most people leave it, and it's certainly where I've always left it as well. Is you get that initial onboarding, uh, sorry, onboarding, you get that initial email sequence, which might be how many emails, how many lessons with regards to an end offer. And then maybe after they finish that cycle, you'll dump them into a done list or whatever. <laughs> and then maybe you'll email them with the odd newsletter or update or something every couple of months. And that's it if they're lucky. And they just kind of like left there to die. Um, you know, you, you, you it's just basically just throwing away money. And I, that's where I've always ended up. Mm. And I'm sure I am not the only one who, who works to a similar system. So how do you get past that initial baseline? Okay, they're on the list. Here is that 
you know, a five day email series, here is the end offer. And then after that, I'm sure there are plenty of ways to be able to, okay, well, I'm not interested right now. So where do we go from that? So I have a few thoughts on this. Um, I was always trying to, I think, so I, like Laura, I use ConvertKit too. And my, the metric I'm going for is how infrequently can I log into ConvertKit? You know, I don't want to be on the hook to do like the whole, oh crap, I need to write an article this week to keep the list warm. And I need to like come up with new content. Otherwise the list will go cold. And then when I do have something to try to offer them, they're going to be like, who is this person? One thing that I set up with W Freelancing specifically was a 52 week drip sequence. Once a week, looked like a newsletter. Looked, if you were on the receiving end, you would have no idea that this was actually written like a year ago. But the idea would be somebody comes in, I do my best to meet them where they are today and give them kind of crash course on, in, this, in that case, like being a better freelancer, get them ready to the point where they're gonna be receptive to what I have to offer. So that initial product, that initial offer, pitch them on it, have some urgency around that usually with a discount. And then from there, you know, the majority of people won't buy and that's fine. But then from there, put them on to this 52 on week sequence that continues to soft pitch the, the thing, right? So there'll, there'll be like a PS or a mention in these emails that will still promote the thing that they bypassed. For me, that was great because I could then know that I can kind of get hit by a bus and end up in a coma and like people are still finding my articles, opting in, going through, getting pitched, getting like they're getting value from it, even though I'm not a blocker, I'm not a dependency on getting that value. So that's what I wanted to do was to build something that would be this nice system that would just kind of do that on, on autopilot. 52 oh. weeks. That's a hell of a series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's easy when you've done like live new newsletters for 52 weeks, because then you just go and say, okay, I have like a year's worth of broadcast emails, newsletters, I can just package them now into an automated sequence. So what about you, Nathan? Have you got anything set up? I know you said you sort of don't have an awful lot at the minute, but... No, seriously, every single list I've ever set up, and even the list I have set up now, which is why I said it was going to be embarrassing, <laughs> is, the typical, is the typical sequence that ends in, okay, finished sequence, and ends up into the next group. If they're lucky, they will... <laughs> or unlucky, they will receive the odd uh, email update. And that's it. There's no, there's no sort of, there's nothing bigger beyond that. There's no, there's no plan. There's no, it's appalling. With Newsy, did you ever pitch people after that initial sequence? Like, did you intentionally try to get them into like a trial? Yeah, I think, I think I did actually try and get really fancy on Newsy once. Uh, so split them off after the initial onboarding or whatever it was they signed up for. Sorry, I keep saying onboarding. Whatever the original sequence was they signed up for. Yeah. Uh, whether that was you know a free downloadable or whatever, they would then go into a separate, a separate, sorry, a second sequence, which would then try and have some kind of pitch in there. But I don't think it was always something that I just knew that you should do, but never really had any idea on how to do it, and so therefore it wasn't particularly particularly successful. And then of course, once if you don't have much success with it, then it depending on the kind of person you are, it doesn't particularly motivate you to try and sort of expand it and improve it and things like that. So it was always very base level stuff. And then just, that was kind of really where I left it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, how complicated does it, does it have to be? How complicated should it be? I don't know. Yeah. Cause this is a podcast for non-technical founders. So we're sort of, a, lo a lot of these things might sound really complicated, but actually what I like about email as a non-technical founder is the fact that essentially, as long as, depending on who you sign up for, you'll sign up for ConvertKit, Drip, MailChimp, I don't know, any of them. 
they are pretty easy to use. And essentially you're just writing an email and sending it and you're putting it into a sequence that's saying if they have purchased, send them this sequence. So I feel like even for a non-technical founder, it can be really simple. And that's kind of what I like about email. But what's interesting is I'm keen to hear Brennan's thoughts on this, actually, because it's always been standard, I think, standard practice that plain text emails um, work really well. So they don't have to be anything fancy. They're, they can literally just look like a plain text email. But one of Brennan's new products, which is really popular, is Palladio, which is kind of like Webflow, but for emails. So it enables you to design really nice email templates and design like widgets and stuff. I feel like that might be changing slightly. And that kind of thing's still not very easy in the email marketing world, I don't think. Brennan, what are you seeing with things like plain text emails versus something more designed? Are you seeing a change in the last, well, 2011, however many years that is? Yeah, I mean, I think like the big thing is complexity of email. So a lot of us, we are doing like the whole weekly newsletter thing and now we have like sponsors and then we have like promotions for our own products. and normal email messaging is largely just rich text. So what do you have available? You have headings, you can have paragraphs of text with italics and bolding and all that stuff. You can drop in an image and that's kind of the extent of it. So the issue I have with that is that if you have more complexity added to an email, like if it's a simple email that's like, hey, Brennan, uh, Laura here, thanks for picking up Client Portal. I'd love to know, can you reply to this email and tell me a bit about why you bought? That's simple, make that plain text. When you have more stuff going on, uh, which again, a lot of people are starting to do, it's, it's a bit like thinking, writing a long form sales page in Google Docs, like it can be done, but people like skimmability. We wanna be able to say, this is actually a testimonial I'm looking at, not just italic text that says like dash Laura. Uh, this is actually a call to action. This is actually an offer, not just like a, a bolded link with like an emoji of like a right hand you know, thing. The, the problem I have and what I'm starting to see actually now that more people are using Claudio is that if you have a lot of dense content, like rich text is hard to skim, it's hard to parse. It's hard to figure out like, what should I be looking at? Whereas if you think of an email as more of like a traditional web page, you know, you have sections, maybe you have like proper dividers. You have like, this is a highlighted area thing I want to draw people's attention to. So as designers, like it should be obvious, I think why, you know, you don't want to go overboard. You don't want to look like it's too, like, I think Some we can- the e-commerce emails. Are yeah, just where it's just, it's just like images. Yeah. And I think it's, it, there is something to be said about, and this is where I think the plain text for email thing took off from, is that I think we as people, when we look at an email, we can say like, if Nathan's sending me an email, he's not going to send like a colored background in the, in the message and like, you know, like a header image and a logo and all this stuff. Like it's going to be plain text. So the thinking is, well, if real business is being done over plain text, then we want our marketing emails to look the same so that people treat them as proper or, or is like valuable rather than like looking like an Amazon auto-generated, hey, you should buy these products in an email. I think that's that was the good intention of like all plain text all the time. But again, as, as people are adding more components, more jobs for each email it, it becomes really tricky i think to do all that and make it easy i mean i'm on a lot of lists that are doing like a lot of like sponsorships and calls to actions and like multiple products and like recommended resources and you know happening now on twitter and they're all doing this through like bullet points 
boring of text. And so I received one of those today, actually. It was an incredibly long email, and it had, like you said, it was literally just a list of titles with the bullet points. But it was a, it was a very long email, and every single section was, you know, for an offer or for something. You know, it was something that was, hey, go and check this out. And it was actually very hard to scan and exactly. actually yeah. actually pull the information out. It was, you know, because it all looked the same. What I'm trying to do at the minute actually is build out so i'm using palladio obviously and um i'm trying to build out little components that i can use in email so most of my email is still going to be just text and um, it's got like a nice template now but then build out these different com components for promos and things like it could be like a survey if i want people to take a survey and that will be like have a colored background and be like a call out it could be a some information on maybe promoting our affiliate program. It could be promoting the podcast or saying like, hey, check out this new episode of the podcast. So have a list of all these different widgets that I can add and maybe adding like one into every email, but a different one each time, maybe picking one that's most relevant to the content and that kind of thing, which I really like because yeah, you're right. When, when you have a lot of things going on and you want to show all the things, for me, I prefer emails where the email has like one main point that it's going to make. So like the meat of the email, but then it might have something relevant that I might want to check out further. So it could be like a box, like I said, a survey, um, or it could even be a box of like, I don't know, useful. I know a lot of emails do like curated links to interesting things. Maybe that could be in a separate kind of section so you can easily if you want to see that part of the email, you can easily scroll down and see it. So I really like that. And then you can still use the whole plain text thing. Sometimes if I'm sending out an email, usually for a survey, and I want people to just maybe jump on a call with me, do some customer research, like we were talking about before, or something like that, then it will literally be a stripped back. I won't even use my template. It will just be so plain text to make it seem because it is coming from me but it, I'm not just emailing individuals I'm emailing a portion of my list but to make it look as simple and plain as possible so I kind of like that you can do both now because as a designer you might feel the same Nathan it's really it's kind of hard not to design something like I want everything to look good and I feel like everything needs to look good that comes from me because a lot of people know I'm a designer so it looks badly on me if it doesn't look great well I think that's one of the one of the um areas that I think particularly designers struggle with anyway, because if you're using a system that has templates, you, I think we either feel that my style in, invert, in air quotes doesn't fit into this template or I'm unable to you know, make it the way I want. So I think that's where a lot of people end up struggling and it just ends up looking terrible or you just go straight to text. I have to say actually that I have until the last couple of weeks, I have pretty much gone to all text as well with some images in there, but just straight up and down image text. That's it. So I don't know, maybe I should be looking at something different as well, <laughs> considering my audience is within the similar space. So I think it's all things that can be done either now or maybe in the future. You know, every time you, you know, if you create a new template and launch it, that's just going to be something added to your toolbox. And the same with automation, like it sounds so complicated when you first hear about it and you can, and your mind starts to go crazy with all the things you can do, all the different like segmenting and oh how um, interested are people where did they come from I can segment on based on their industry based on all this stuff and it you can get a bit overwhelmed but if you just start with like a really simple and I think I think honestly when you're just starting out maybe the design isn't as important I don't know what you think Brennan but I would yeah no I think I think design and also automation should not be something you do day one I think automation for me is something that I codify when I've done this enough manually Right. So like once I know like 
my audience and their needs, and I, I, I have a good rapport with them, then I'll think, okay, like, what should I do about a welcoming sequence? Or if it's like, you can't segment usually in vacuum, you need to know, like, who is my audience? And how do, what are the different goals that they have? Or what are the different identities that they have? And you can't do that until you have that. So like, my thinking is with Create and Sell, which Laura mentioned early on, that's kind of my newish product. So it's been around about a year. I started out very low-key, just simple broadcast emails, live emails, no welcome sequence. And only recently have I started to kind of expand that. And that's only, I'm doing it right now because I know enough about the people who have found the list and I've seen the email replies and I've seen what they're struggling with and, and so on and so forth. So I could actually do this stuff with more confidence. You know, the people who say they want to build a business and then they get like heavy into like business plans and like spreadsheets and stuff like that. Instead of just saying like, I'm going to create something and sell it, they get distracted by all of these things they should be doing. Obviously planning and all that stuff definitely has its uses, just like automation and stuff has its uses. It just doesn't need to be something you do immediately. And I think that's the, a lot of people I think get hung up on the tooling, get hung up on like thinking it's either, I either have correct email marketing or incorrect, and I'm worried about doing incorrect. So I'm going to do all this other stuff first, like get my crazy automation sequences and all this stuff set up when you have a list of like three people. That's stupid. You can apply that to everything as well. I think if you're, if you want to do sell an online course, it's probably better to teach that course live in like workshops and refine it over and over again, and then take that because it's going to be refined based on feedback and just your gut feeling, and then take that and make it into something more polished rather than trying to get the perfect polished course out of the box. And then it's going to need to change, but you can't because it's too much work. Um, and the same with this podcast as well. You know, this podcast is deliberately not very polished. We don't have intro music or anything, but we're sort of finding our feet with it. And then once we have, once we've figured out like a good rhythm and all that stuff, we will polish it up a bit, but we could have spent months planning and polishing the perfect podcast launch. But I think we just decided one day, Hey, should we do a podcast? And then I don't know, it felt like a week later or something, we were recording our first episode. I think it's kind of like that with everything. Just doing something is so much better than just trying to plan and be too much of a perfectionist and, you know, get it perfect on the get-go. With regards to whether we're just going to get started and write content, I mean, I would be very happy right now just to be writing regular content that I'm emailing out. And then, like you say, Brennan, you know, we'll get the systems in place later on to actually get those people on the list in the first place. So, for example, obviously, so I'm building this new SaaS now, and obviously it depends on what you're trying to promote, whether it's a, a, a service or a SaaS or, or a book. Like, what are some of the some of the better ways that you've seen for actually getting people onto the list in the first place? Because um, we, um, Laura and I, have spoken plenty of times about actually having to how to grow an audience. Like, what are some of the ways that you've seen, and are they specific to to the to the area that you're working in? On the acquisition side, there's a lot of options. When, like I mentioned, when I started out, it was really just blogging and hoping people found the articles. And there were some manual things I did like back then, like getting involved in different forums and linking my content in message threads and so on. Stuff that didn't really scale, but helped me early on. But these days, there's there's a few things. I think from a customer perspective, I think if you just say, join my email list, it's a pretty weak offer. So ideally having something that is outcome-based, something like, you know, put in your email address and get this right now, rather than putting your email address and get future content. Um, it's always better to have what, what would we call a lead magnet? Something that's like basically saying, give me this and I'll give you that immediately. 
that's one thing. Um, and then from like a channel perspective, I mean, there's so many different things that you could do. Obviously the, the, the thing I'm most familiar with is the SEO side of things where you uh, rank for content, Google sends you traffic and a percentage of that traffic converts. But you know, there's people doing really well with Twitter threads, with LinkedIn posts even. You have money, you can do paid acquisition. There's a great tool called Upscribe where you can basically say, I will pay $3 a subscriber. And then different newsletters can say they can push, you know, new subscribers to you. Obviously, hopefully they're of the right audience, but you can have qualifications about like, these are the kind of newsletters I want to partner with. You can do traditional paid ads where you're running ads on Facebook or Google ads or whatever else. I mean, there's so many different channels. And I'm not a, there are some great courses out there on like how to get your first hundred subscribers where usually the common advice is like, go to the people, you know, look at everyone you've like ever emailed in Gmail and say like, Hey, I'm doing a list on XYZ. Would you be interested? And then go from there and then like get them to hopefully tell their friends and then build up the SEO game in the background and blah, 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 blah. Ultimately, I think the big mistake that a lot of people specifically in the software world do, especially pre-launch is that they have like a coming soon page. It's like, hey, Acme Inc. is coming soon or something, put in your email address. And then you, you do that. And then it's radio silence. And no one ever gets anything until like a year later, it's like, oh, surprise, you know, we're, we're live. And you're like, who, who, who are you? And um, one thing we did with the right message, which I thought was good, we really kind of built in the open with that. So like people, we told people about the vision that we were trying to build for. And then said, we want to make sure we build the right product. We'd love to have you on board. We'll, we'll be sharing with you things that we're learning about, not only the building of a software business, but also what we're going, what's going into the product, what we're learning about, like what the product needs to do and how it can help you. And we're going to send you things like segmentation and personalization and blah, 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 blah. And that works really well because what we did is it kind of forced us to say every week, we're going to share with the audience about something that'll help them. So something we've learned about segmentation, something we've learned about personalization. We're going to tell them a bit about what we've developed over the last week and really get a lot of buy-in, get a lot of people who are really excited about what we're building. They feel like they're a part of it. It's like they're, they've got like a, know, an early view into the building of this new business. So when we did launch, we launched a list of, I think, two or 3,000 people. And first day we brought in 25,000 which was really incredible for like a brand new business that, especially a brand new software business. And we wouldn't have done that if we just had a coming soon page or we just kind of built in silence or built where no one knew what we were doing and surprise world we exist. So yeah, I think, I think if you know, like what, what's the core problem you're tackling, get something up there ASAP landing page or something, get people buying into that vision and then don't go, don't go quiet. Like share what you're doing, get them to reply, get them to weigh in. That'll get them invested in what you're doing. And that's actually a really good place to end it. I think you're doing that at the minute, aren't you, Nathan? You're sort of building. Yeah, like, trying to. Trying to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. I, don't have, I don't have two to 3,000 people on the list yet, though. But uh, if I keep going for another five years, maybe I might for launch <laughs> in five years. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm doing. So well, we'll keep up to date with how your list grows and all that kind of stuff, and what you're doing, what sure. works, what doesn't work. Because I think that's what people are so interested in as well. Is when you are starting, essentially, re well, for you restarting from scratch. Like, how do you do that initial? I think the first like thousand subscribers is like the hardest. And um, so, how do you do that? So that'll be really interesting to follow along. 
Um, but yeah, I think that's a good place to end it. So thank you so much to Brennan for coming on and for co-hosting this episode with us. Um, yeah, thank you, Brennan. First, yeah. first, first co-host. First co-host. So you're our guinea pig. Didn't go far. <laughs> so where can people go if they want to follow you and learn more about email marketing? Uh, best place for that would be createandsell.co. Uh, that's my weekly newsletter. Sure to say hi. I mean, really the only social media thing I'm on is Twitter and I'm Brennan Dunn. So if you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear when new episodes are released, you can subscribe in your podcast app of choice. And if you have any ideas for future topics in our Ask an Expert series, or even know anyone who would like to co-host with us, you can email them to podcast at thenontechfounders.com or send us a tweet at nontechpodcast. Thanks so much for listening and thank you again to Brennan and we'll see you in the next episode.